Hey everyone, welcome to my Missionist podcast. I'm Karina Givargasov, the founder of Mission, the first fashion philanthropic interactive media brand for fashion for beauty for good. For those of you who listened to our last podcast, you'll know that our next guest is someone we featured in our launch issue of Mission, our women's issue. We have a wonderful conversation about her coming full circle in her career from starting at Salvatore Ferragamo back in 1994 and in the fall of 2021 she came back to the company as a North American CEO. In 1999 she became Gucci's president and CEO of Gucci America after being at the brand for seven years. She's a staunch supporter of women's rights, champions philanthropic initiatives, while CEO of Barney's, she launched Barney's New York Foundation. She's also on the board of UNICEF New York. I'm delighted to introduce you to our next guest, Daniela Vitale. I'm so excited to talk to you and just... Thank you. Thank you oh. for having me. No, thank you for making the time. I know you're incredibly busy and um, you were so, so, so generous to me when I started Mission. Um, you were really one of the few, the initial people that we saw from our, for our women's issue to come well, on. We're big, big fans and you have a lot of women in the company that are big fans also. Oh, so amazing. Is, oh, amazing. Yeah. That, that's great. Gosh, it's nice to hear because I'm in such a bubble um, most of the time, just uh, head down, um, tunnel vision, getting this done. But um I, um, and a lot of and a lot of young women, which I think is really important. So, oh wow, that's so lovely to hear. And our um, I mean, our demographic is naturally young women, and our team um, are all young women um, for the most part, ranging from eighteen years old to twenty three to twenty seven. Wow, um, which is is remarkable. Um, so and it's and I think that's what's something that we were talking about wanting to interview you and I was so excited to speak to you um, because someone from the C-suite that's a woman that has a family and does it all um, <laughs> and and I can just about barely juggle all of this let alone family life and being um, having such an incredible workload and um, what you do so I was, I'm really honoured but I'm very very excited to ask you some questions and just Great. find find out kind of I mean. Congratulations on your your role at um coming kind of coming back, back to Ferragamo, back yes. to the family, back to the family, full full circle, um, almost almost you know over twenty five years later. Wow, um, wow. which is you know was a, an incredible opportunity because not only you know was there some nostalgia there and it was an incredible experience, obviously as my first as my as my first job. Um, but I also had an incredible mentor here when I started and, you know, the fact that I'm able to come back and, and really do something, um, you know, transformative with, uh, with the brand and, and be part of the next chapter is, you know, just pretty special. So, yes. um, you know, you don't, you don't want these things to be lost on you after so many years in the industry. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. It's a great, a great, uh, great company, great family, great new management team. So, you know, it's exciting times, isn't it? Oh, I, I know I wanted to, uh, cause it, it leads me on to my, um, next question but I'm sure you I don't think you'll be allowed to answer like one is like there's a new visual identity coming as new um lots of new things happening are we allowed to know any little bits and bobs that are, that are well, going we, on 
Well, we did, you know, we hired a, a wonderful new designer, Maximilian Davis, yes. um, you know, uh, 26 years old and, and, you know, with an incredible, um, I think, vision for the brand, just spending a little bit of time with him a couple of months ago in Florence. And then again, just in Milan, you know, he really has such a unique um you know, just knowledge of the history of the company, not unique, but just really did his did his um, work in, in learning about the history of the company, the legacy of the company, Salvatore, the family, um, you know, and obviously then, you know, how do you modernize that mm-hmm. um, today? And, you know, he really has an incredible aesthetic and I think it's going to be a, an amazing sort of juxtaposition, you know, this new, very talented, you know, designer, creative director who has his own collection and, and, you know, now merging with this, you know, very storied, wonderful, um, you know, leather goods house uh, and shoe house. Yes. So, you know, that we're, we're, we're really excited about that sort of mashup, if you will. And it is, you know, he'll debut in September, you know, and our goal obviously as a, as a company is, you know, we have a very, loyal customer base we have a you know very big fan base for the brand but we know that you know we're at a turning point and we need Mm -hmm. to start introducing the brand to a new consumer uh and and a younger consumer and you know we have an incredible opportunity to do that because you know we we, you know, again, have a, 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 it's not like a startup where, you know, you're really starting from scratch. We do have this wonderful base of consumers, but there's also, you know, obviously people that are not that familiar with the brand because we probably haven't necessarily been talking to that consumer as, as, you know, well as we could have been. So huge opportunity, you know, very focused, obviously on women. Um, very focused on, you know, also um, tying apparel and shoes and bags together to be a much more cohesive story as a brand, you know, the creative, the, you know, and, you know, creating a new narrative also mm-hmm. around that is is an, an incredible opportunity, which I think Maximilian will, and of course, with Monaco, you know, will, you know, really help us again, just just into this next chapter. So very, very exciting, very excited on what I've seen so far from Mm -hmm. him. You know, obviously he'll debut in September, but, you know, we were really very, very energized. And, you know, as I said, he has such an appreciation for the brand and for the quality and the craftsmanship part. You know, you sort of forget that. And sometimes we we don't value craftsmanship mm. and, and, and some of these things in fashion, right. We, we, you know, what is the, what is the look of the moment? What is the trend of the moment? What are all of those things that, you know, have been so important to our industry, but you forget about that, that yes. craftsmanship piece. And he's very appreciative of that. So I think it's going to be really exciting to watch what he does and, and how respectfully he does it. And I, yes, I think yes. he will. Um, so we're, we're really excited. But that's, I think, the heritage of such an iconic house as Ferragamo is, is the history. Um, I remember when I did, when I, I used to be a stylist and I consulted for Bali um, mm-hmm. years ago um, and came in and worked close with their creative director. They wanted to launch a collection. Um, and I had, I had the incredible opportunity to go to the vault to see, wow. um, go in Lake Casano and see mm-hmm. all the past collections in the, I couldn't touch anything. They were in glass cabinets. But it was just, it's like a little museum of everything. Right. So to, 
um, to kind of for Maximilian to give, be given that opportunity must be huge. Like you've got all this wealth of resources at your fingertips, and um, and it's great that he's so young because he sees it with fresh eyes and to engage with the younger generation. It's a, he I does, bet this, which I think is a unique perspective he's you know he's going to use that as influence and help us define the future it doesn't mean that the past needs to define us it's just how you use those elements and and you know to make a more informed you know sort of decision about the direction of the brand so I think he will do that um, you know quite quite well and he's also you know really um, very involved in the music community and and arts and you know so he he also I think will um, you know help the brand be um, position us in a more culturally sort of relevant way which is which is you know a fantastic opportunity. I know it really is and it's I think it's hard to get right isn't it sometimes to have that um, old and new and fusion and, and but be respectful of the past but also tap into the future. It is one of the hardest things to do. Um, it is one of the, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges that many brands go through, mm -hmm. right? I mean, many legacy brands go through, but yeah, not just fashion know, either. I think it's a cross, isn't it? To do, yeah, it really is. And I think, you know, Marco has done that in his career. And I think, you know, with Maximilian's you know, fresh and, and, uh, you know, un, uncensored sort of approach, I think he will, I think he will do an incredible job of, of, you know, respecting both. And I think that's a very important thing for the house and, and a unique opportunity that, that most people don't have. So yes, yes. it's, it's, it's going to be very exciting to watch. I, I joke that I, I still get goosebumps. So I'm happy that I'm not, I'm not, uh, I haven't dated <laughs> in this latter, the, the, you know, late, latter part of my career. And I still get so excited when I'm around him and around the product. And it's, it's going to be very, uh, it's going to be great. Well, I guess it's also a little bit, um, because you've been there in the past when you kind of cut your teeth at Ferragamo. So it's, it's very, I'd imagine it's quite, personal because it's uh, you're so connected to the house so you have um the hair you have the past connection there so you're very caring of it. it's not i imagine you know it's not just a job it's there's a past there and there's a connection to the to the house um so i'm sure obviously you're very very invested in this as well and are there any people from before still there that you that when you were there before that are still in the company there there yeah no there are a couple of people still here um you know massimo fedagamo's assistant is still here um there's several people that are in it and and um hr wow. and <laughs> so it, it was it was exciting to see the you know some familiar very familiar faces mm. and of course there are you know several people obviously in Italy and the entire family of course yes. um, you know which is was really nice to you know uh, get reacquainted with so there are several people that are still here which has been nice and then you know obviously a lot of new. Um, team members and we're bringing on new team members and you know just really trying to also position ourselves to to really scale the business and and scale the business quickly so filling in you know in in on incompetencies that maybe we didn't have and more yes. of a focus on digital and so you know fortunately we have a lot of really good existing team members so we're we're in a we're in good shape um yes. to to you know move and move very quickly have you always wanted to be on the business side of fashion? Because that's what I find fascinating, that is, I have such respect and admiration for female 
C-suite and, and leaders and um, because it's not, I don't know that world at all. And I find it so interesting. And, and is that something you always felt? That... Always, always. Really? Wow. Always. In fact, when I came to Ferragamo, I had a very unglamorous job. I was in inventory control um, and, and mer a merchandising assistant in men's shoes. Uh, but I really wanted to learn the business and I did mm -hmm. not care what product category I was in. It didn't matter you know, I actually saw it as an incredible opportunity because I was visiting factories. I was working with our distribution center. We, you know, were, it was a very um, fiscally sort of rigorous or financially rigorous job as a first job. Mm -hmm. So it gave me, it was really the gateway, I think, to learning, you know, the business and in a very sort of granular way and, you know, uh, learning supply chain and production and so again, not not necessarily the front of house, you know, this this glamorous sort of front of house that a lot yes. of people a lot of people associate with fashion and and luxury and, but you know that really gave me such an appreciation for how companies run and and the backbones of companies that are very often not celebrated, um, and it gave me such an appreciation for that part of the business that I that I knew that that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be on the finance side. I wanted to be on the operations side. But of course, product is tantamount to what we do. And you know, the, all of the all of that is is you know how a business runs, obviously. So being able to be exposed to that very early on, I think, gave me a lot of clarity into, you know, into what I wanted to do, which is, which was eventually I knew I wanted to run a company, what company that was going to be, I didn't know, but I knew that that would, you know, that this was this, that's what I wanted to ultimately, ultimately do. And I knew that at a very young age, fortunately. So I, you know, it was a steady, solid, very disciplined path. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, but I knew very early on and I, you know, I certainly consider myself creative and, you know, certainly, um, you know, and, and you created this, you know, incredible magazine and, and uh, this incredible media company that, you know, you need to be creative also to run yes. a business. So it's, it's a combination of left brain, right brain, always yes, yes. in terms of successful leaders. But I, you know, always, I, I never wanted to be on the design side or, or just the creative side. So it's, you know, been a, a wonderful combination of all of it. That's incredible. You know, that's that's a real gift because I, like I said, I was a stylist before and then Mission came, to, found me really um, through a series of tragedies. Um, and I was not business savvy at all. I still am not. Um, so I think maybe that's why I find it really, really fascinating. I remember coming to the, uh, visiting um, this amazing woman, Elizabeth Naomaro, who was part of, uh, I think it's He for She, the United Nations Initiative. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went into her office at the UN and she said to me, what are your KPIs? And I looked at her and I said, <laughs> Elizabeth, I have no idea what you're talking about. And no idea what that means. And um, she actually looked quite shocked. And she sat me down and she's like, she just comes to my desk and showed me on a computer. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, good to know, good to know. Right. But um, I find it so interesting because I'm learning all of this as I go. And it's a whole different uh it's a different language you have to speak. Um, it really, it really is, and it's and it's it's a it's a language that's constantly evolving because yes. you know we have different we do have different mediums in the way we communicate. We have different channels of business. We have different you know uh, 
you know, different mobile platforms, different, you know, so it is a constantly, constantly evolving language. And I am always learning. So don't ever feel guilty about not knowing something or, or oh, not. Just, yes. <laughs> it's, I'm constantly learning and very often learning from someone who is half my age. And, oh, yes. you know, that, that was not, you know, that was certainly similar at Tiffany. It was similar at, at Gucci. It was similar at Barney's. And I thrive on that. I think that's, you know, what makes us better executives and, yes. and, you know, having that, you know, it's all about sort of capacity, right? I mean, it's about, you know, being able to understand, you know, or admitting that you don't know something Completely. and obviously having the capacity to learn something new all the time. So no, I love it. I love it. It's yeah. That's what I um, like every issue we, we focus on the different calls. And I, I say to my, I call them my kids because they're so bloody young. And I said, like, this is my, it's like the Rosetta Stone. Every, every issue, <laughs> I learn something new. And one of them said to me, um, we had this really um, incredible young woman, Genevieve, who has um, dwarfism. Um, and we did, um, I had her do a youth series, a virtual one. I said, I want you to lead it and we'll have different people with dis disabilities and you're going to champion that. She loved it so much, but she was about to leave us. And, and I said, look, please, can we do more of these? And she went, yeah, Corinna, don't be, she goes, and she said it jokingly, she's got great sense. She goes, don't be afraid to hit me up next time. And I went, what the hell's that mean? Hit me up. <laughs> Speak English, woman. What, what do you mean? And then she like, explained it to me. She was in stitches. And I went, Genevieve, I said, I'm too old for this nonsense. Exactly. <laughs> I'm too old, too old for hitting anybody up. <laughs> but it's I love learning all of this. And but to hear you know that you wanted to do all the business side beforehand. And, and you I, I guess that explains a lot of your trajectory of going, you know, starting at Ferragamo, then you went to Armani and then Gucci it took you only seven years to become the president and CEO of Gucci. I was like, wow, that's just remarkable. It's absolutely yeah. remarkable. And thank you. My tenure at all of those different companies were unique and different from one another, but incredibly uh, important and and influential in terms of how the my career progressed. And I I don't think you know, it would not have progressed if I, in, in that same way, uh, if I, if I had missed out on any of those experiences. And I, I really believe that. And I try mm -hmm. very hard to explain that to people, particularly a younger generation of, of, of my teams to explain that, you know, it's, you know, you really, it takes time to learn different businesses and, and a year or two may seem like a lifetime when you're a certain age, but yes. it really takes time to to not only learn a business, but also be able to deliver results, right? And that, you know, I always feel people move on very quickly for money mm -hmm. or for other, just having other experiences and then find themselves 20 years later with, you know, 10 different jobs and, you know, not being able to show real results and be part of something, you know, incredibly um, successful or transformational. I mean, it's not to say that you can't do that in a year or mm -hmm. two time, but I have found that my tenure at, at all of these different companies helped, you know, me in the next chapter. And it, and I never looked, I was very fortunate and this is not, this is in no way to sound boastful or, or obnoxious. I actually never looked for a job. Mm, so in wow. all of these opportunities sort of presented themselves to me and I just knew that it was time to go because I needed to learn a different, you know, competency, skill set, business, you know, 
business unit. And, you know, so when I left Ferragamo, I knew I needed apparel experience, which is why I went to Armani. And when I left Armani, I knew I needed more accessory, um, you know, sort of the full package of, of, you know, a true, true luxury, luxury brand that was in every different category. I knew Mm -hmm. I needed that for the next chapter. So it was, it, it was really, you know, unique because they just presented themselves. And I knew that it was time to go. It was never about leveraging an offer. It was never about, it was really about, okay, this is now the next thing I need to learn. If in fact, I do want to run a company, um, these are the things that I need, um, you know, to, in order to be successful. So it's been, you know, it, it, it sounds like it was planned out very carefully, but in, in some ways it was a bit serendipitous, you know, as I said, opportunities presented themselves, but I knew that it was time to leave and, and go and do something else. That's uh, so, so interesting. Very, it's very fortunate. Yeah, I think um, I never, when I started Mission, I never, I thought I'd get it up and running in six months. Eight years later, it's finally found its legs and slightly, I'm really, um, and found its voice. I I often would, someone said to me uh, a long time ago, um, uh, you've got to, it's divine intervention and things will find you. um, And and I always thought that was hocus pocus, like, no, that's nonsense. But I truly, I believe that now just because of the trajectory um, of what mission has been and my journey and it's I guess you feel that if you're so kind of um, really really f- you seem like you were really focused probably maybe subconsciously or not on um, your future goal of where you wanted to be like I want to run a company and to do that I want to tap into all the different um, pillars within a business and that seemed to present you know those different job roles and the different companies you were moving to so it seemed it, you just listening to you is really fascinating it- that you was you were yeah, laser I, focused. I was laser focused and I, but I also, I spent a lot of time listening mm. and a lot of time, you know, in a, in a very humble sort of position to, to absorb and always had a, always had a, a, a curiosity about the business. Um, so while I did really have a clear, clear, clear path of where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do and, and to be a CEO, president and CEO, but I also made sure that I spent the time and, you know, maybe I'm, it's so easy for me to articulate this now, maybe mm-hmm. at the time I would not have been able to articulate mm-hmm. that, that, but I really spent a lot of time absorbing and learning and listening and, you know, understand, you know, again, uh, making sure that I, I really learned certain things that I didn't know from the previous experience. And, you know, so there is a certain amount of, you know, you have to be sort of self-aware in, in, in certain circumstances and, and you don't know while you might be, you know, very poised and loud and aggressive. And I was all of those things, but you also need to know that there are moments where you're not going to know things and, Mm -hmm. and to be, um, you know, in a position to absorb all of that, I think also really, really helped me. Um, and, and again, having the self-awareness to kind of, you know, shut up and listen. sometimes. but you know, it was, I was very, very focused and I was very focused, uh, also because I, I, you know, I had, it wasn't, a, it wasn't also a time, I didn't have a time frame, but I also knew that, um, you know, I wanted to do a lot before I also had children. I yes. had children, you know, when I was in my late thirties. So I knew that there were certain things that I would like to accomplish before I had, I had a child or children. 
Um, so certainly wasn't a time frame, but I, I was, I guess, you know, very disciplined in trying to get to a certain goal um, before embarking on family life. And, yes. and it really didn't matter having a family because I was, I was still focused and still had a very successful career and had children. So nothing really changed, but I yes, guess I yes. thought, I guess I thought it would a little bit, but it didn't. I guess because you were really passionate about it, you know, your, your job, wherever that, whatever house you're at, you seem super, super passionate. And um, I know I am with mission, so it doesn't feel like a chore that, oh God, I've got to go to work. Oh God, I've got, you know, it's, it's got to go it's to the so, office. It's so true. It really is so true. And motivation is so important. And how do we, even I see this now, um, you know, sort of post COVID and, you know, how do you, you can't really teach motivation, no. right? You can't no. really, it has to be, it's, it's innate. It has, you have to want to do this and love it. And I agree with you. And I never, I always, there was not a, there was not a second where I wanted to stay home with my children. I mean, I fully admit that. Um, and my children are just, <laughs> and, and my, not a, not a second. My children are, are, are just fine. Um, they did really well and they're all good, but I didn't want to be home with them for a second. And mm -hmm. I knew that I would be a better mother and a better executive by having both. Um, so, but you need that motivation, right? If yes. I didn't love what I did, if I didn't, uh, if I, if I don't, then I, I, I couldn't have done it. No, um, no. and, and to still have that passion, you know, I agree with you. I think that's unique. I mean, you had the unique, you know, opportunity to change careers and, you know, that also comes with a, a different type of motivation, um, you know, to um, want to embark on a completely new career and something, you know, that you, you probably hadn't done before and, or maybe you did. I'm not sure. No, nothing. Uh, I, no, didn't, no. I, I didn't I, think I, so. I read your, I read the whole thing. I used to dress over. people. That was what I do. I right. <laughs> shirts and tie shoes up. That's what, that was my <laughs> college to learn to do that and not to belittle that. But um, I had, it, it's. Well, Paul, I, it, that's, you're right. But that's motivation as you, yes. you just created a platform that, that didn't exist. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, and I think that we need more of that also in the world where particularly women don't feel that somehow their careers have ended also after a certain time or that they can't pivot and take on something completely different. Or I think those are also stories that need to need to be told um, because I think I'm finding a lot of women today sort of that are at certain points in their career where they want to do something different and they say, Oh, I'll never be able to do that. And it's not, it's just not true. That's, no, I don't um, agree with that either. I just like, you've got to, anything's possible. Anything's possible. If you put your mind to it and you you want to make that change, it's down to that individual at the end of the day to do that. Yeah, I agree. And I think again, it all goes back to your, you know, you talking about motivation and, and, you know, I, I do think that is still a very important driver, no matter what stage of the, of your career. Um, and again, it, it can't be taught. You have to really yes. want it. You have to really want it. Do you find that leads me on to my next question? Um, Cause I know I've experienced this quite a bit. Um, it's like the C-suite is generally male dominated as everybody mm -hmm. knows. And you were the first ever female Chief Executive of Barney's. Why, yeah. why do you think it takes so long for women to be appointed? Oh gosh, I don't know. I think that there is a change. I think not enough of a change. Mm. But I think what I will tell you is, I think part of it is I just had this conversation with someone, a, a female executive, 
in my team. And I asked her, why, why did you never ask before for um, a, pro- a promotion or mm-hmm. a, you know, a bigger opportunity or, you know, what took so long? And, and, you know, she just said, I, I've never been a great advocate for myself. And um, the, the former you know, person she was reporting to was a little bit harder to approach. And I think that's, that's still a factor. I mm-hmm. think that's still a factor today. I think women have to stop apologizing. I think they have to ask, even if the, you know, the worst possible answer is no, which yes. is, is not, is not so bad. I think people feel that they often need advocacy and mentorship as the only way to get promoted or movement. And I don't think you can rely on that always. I was very fortunate that I had some of that in my career. I had two different mentors, but I also think, you know, advocating for yourself is really important. And I think women sometimes are still not good at that. Yes. And how do we, that is something that can be taught and how do we continue to, to teach that and continue to, um, you know, encourage and support women to advocate for themselves and to ask and to ask for promotions and to ask for more money and to be considered for, for jobs. And um, I think we need to encourage more of it. And it's more self-advocacy um, because I think there's not always a mentor. There's not always a sponsor and we can't rely on that. And I think that's one of the pieces that I want to focus on here at the company yes. is, you know, how do we teach more everyone? I mean, it's not just women, but teach more people to advocate for themselves and, and you know, at, at the same time, giving them the support that they need to further their careers. I think and it's difficult. It's self-esteem as well comes into it as well and having the confidence. I think it's self-esteem. I think it's confidence. I think it's, I think it's also, you, you know, you, I'm the first uh, female CEO of the, of the U.S. at Ferragamo, too. So yes, it's, yes. you know, this is, I mean, we're in 2022. Um, so definitely there is, there is, you know, there's still work to be done. And I think the more and more we um, have these, you know, leadership examples and these you know, trajectories. I mean, I, you know, really began my career selling shoes while I was in college. So, you know, showing people those trajectories and those career paths and, 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 you know, I think it's still really important and still real, it's still relevant. Um, And, and leading, really leading by example. Um, I think the more female leaders you have, the more women, you know, you'll have in, in C-suites and in management. It's just, that's, I mean, there's, it's, it's, proven yes yes. Uh, there's many examples of this but i think the the, if there is not a does not continue to be some kind of paradigm shift you're you're still going to have that void and i think the pandemic unfortunately did as we know set back women in particular i mean all Mm -hmm. the data is there that many women had to leave or, or the people that did have to leave the workforce were were often women Um, So we just have to make sure that we are, you know, we are mindful of that and that, you know, there may be a greater, um, you know, burden that women that women had to bear during during COVID or post COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm super sensitive to that. I saw a little bit of that at Tiffany also of, of women, you know, sort of dropping out of the out of the workforce because they really needed to be the, you know, the the teachers, the Mm -hmm coaches the you know um and in addition to childcare, so i think we also have to be sensitive 
that it, it hasn't set us back a bit. But I think yes. the more women we get into leadership positions, the more women will follow. Um, and I think that's just- I agree. It's aspirational. It's sometimes um, a few times of um, people like young students that intern with us and, and they're so sweet. And they just say, one said to me before, you know, you're such an, you're really inspiring role model. And I went, me, really? because I'm so blinkered on doing just enormous, enormous workloads. And I guess because I I love what I do, really love it that it's, you just, it doesn't dawn on me that you're actually potentially, you know, subconsciously inspiring somebody or showing them that there is a a way to a different path or different career. If you're a woman, Um, it's totally approachable and it's totally, you know, something you can achieve if if you want to go down that road. And I had, um, I think a few months ago, I was talking to some of the, the, the girls, the gang, I called them, and I, was, I try and explain every part of the business to them. If I learn what KPIs are, they're going to know too. Right. So anything I learn along the way, I share with them as well, because I never learned the business side of things at art school. And um, I had a meeting with a, a guy um, and um, a woman, and it's it for an investing thing, it was an investment meeting. And afterwards, the woman said to me, he's never going to invest in you. I said, she said, so, you know, and I just, she said, I want to be really honest with you. And I went, why not? I said, you know, I, we have a mutual friend. And she said, she said, cause you're a woman. Mm-hmm. She actually said, she actually said it to me. And I said to her, well, that's a shame. I said, cause dude, he's back the wrong horse. I said, that's <laughs> a real shame. So you'll be, I said, no, you'll come back around again. Don't worry. I said, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. But no, it's it was, true. I mean, there, you know, there's so many examples of, um, of you know startup companies that haven't been able to get funding because they're either led by women or dominated mm-hmm. by women and I think again we need to you know when larger banks like a Goldman Sachs is taking a stance and saying you know we're not going to support you unless you have women you know half of your board is women unless there's female leadership and you know really you know putting a putting a stake in the in the ground and saying this is what we expect for companies that we're going to support. I think those are really, that's, that's a really important statement. Um, and I think we need to do more of that. Um, certainly we need to do more of that as mm-hmm. leaders, but also all all companies have to, yes. have to, and it's not about, you know, it's also, we have to be careful because I always say inclusion is inclusion, right? Diversity is diversity. Yes. I truly want diverse. I don't want majority of anything. I want a truly diverse organization, a diverse you know, a diverse uh, team in the stores, a diverse executive team. Um, so it is really also just about, you know, how do you, convol- how do you cultivate an environment so that everyone can succeed? But I think women in particular definitely still struggle in those leadership, you know, in a leadership capacity. That must um, be so exciting though, to come back to Ferragamo and knowing there's been this shift towards all these um Oh, uh, like social causes in the last couple of years that you can now address and, and bring, um, embrace them into Ferragamo, such as diversity, women inclusion. So that must be quite powerful to feel you've got the support and, the, you know, as this role of CEO. To yes, and, it. we, and it's supported by headquarters and it's mm-hmm. a very important, it's a very important pillar for Marco. And, and you know, again, it's, it's diversity in the true sense of the word and, and just ensuring that, you know, again, we, we really reflect to our, you know, the, reflect our consumer base, which is yes. extremely diverse. 
um, you know, we want to make sure that our company mirrors that. I mean, that that's our those are our constituents, right? I mean, those mm-hmm. are those are those are who we really accountable to. Um, and I I feel and I feel very supported. I feel very the the you know again in terms of our our mission, I feel very very supported in trying to um, you know really encourage that. And we we're developing leadership programs. You know, two women are are going to attend a leadership program at Wharton. Um, you know, that we're, we're um, creating a development plan for. So, you know, really trying to identify also our bench and our, our management um, team in terms, you know, in, in developing a proper succession plan. You can't just put it on paper. You also yes. have to create some kind of an actual development plan. So really trying to, you know, find leadership courses and different ways that we can train people because it you can have you can have the skill set but not everyone has also the leadership skills men and women mm-hmm. so that is something again that 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 can be taught but is 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 much harder to teach and sometimes it's harder to teach internally and and you can always use a bit of external support so really working on that as a company and and since I've come on board and and again to feel very supportive in in but very supported in creating those initiatives for the team. Yes, yes. You know, I've got, I'm really conscious of your time and I've got so many other questions I want to okay, ask. Sorry. I just think, no, no, I'm conscious of taking up your time. Can I ask you one last question? Because we're yes. our, um, our next issue, we're working with the United Nations in September, September launch at the General Assembly, um, which is, uh, I'll talk to you another time about that um, separately. But how did you get involved with UNICEF? So I... Uh, funny story. We, when I was at Gucci, we um, were at our LA store um, just completely independently um, was part of the, they had a snowflake lighting out in Los Angeles at the time, similar to what they had in New York. Again, I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure if they still do it, but we were supporting them more as a regional, regional effort. And as we were, um, as a, as a senior management team, a global management team, we were trying to find an organization that meant something. You know, we knew we wanted to be um, involved in supporting women and children and, you know, through education and food and water and, and, and um, health care. Mm-hmm. But we needed to find an organization that meant something in 180 different countries or however yes. many, 140, I can't remember at the time that Gucci and what organization could really do that where it would be mm-hmm. internationally recognized. And so I sat down with, with Carol Stern, who at the time was the CEO, um, and um, Susan Chokichi, who actually is the CEO today at Gucci, um, with her and sat down with Carol Stern and just was so impressed, you know, inspired by her and the team and, and what she was doing, I, you know, we presented it to central, um, and said, you know, we really think this is an organization we can get behind. We think this is something that will resonate internationally. We know that, you know, 90% of the funding goes to, um, you know, goes to the field and, and they have the greatest, um, uh, resources on the ground in most of the countries where there are, you know, there's either conflict or, or, you know, in the situation of the Ukraine, they were, you know, they've been in the Ukraine for 26 years as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided that I wanted to do a field visit 
um, with Carol and Mark Mm -hmm. Lee, actually, who was the global CEO at the time, we decided to go with another um, gentleman, Robert Thompson. And we went to the field and, you know, it was honestly life-changing and, you know, no, it wasn't life-changing that I stopped buying, you know, high-heeled shoes or I changed my, you know, some of my, you know, personal Mm. um, consumption habits, but it, it, you know, it was life-changing in the sense that I really understood how, you know, how there were the work that they do and how impactful they are in the field. And the fact that, you know, some people ask me, well, I don't understand why UNICEF doesn't support more domestic, um, domestic issues. And I, you know, I said to them, I was in communities where there's no water Mm-mm. there, no matter how impoverished you are. And again, I'm not, I'm not in any way negating the, the, the poverty issue in this country because it, it's also, also becoming a crisis, but we have water. You yes. can still walk into an emergency room. There is, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's so many things that basic needs that they do not have mm-hmm. um, that, you know, I just knew that I, I had to support them. Not only professionally, we knew we would support them, but I wanted to support them personally. So mm-hmm. I started supporting them personally and then became a founding member of the New York Regional Board, I think about 12 years ago. Um, and it has just been an incredible, and I, I'm now vice chair of the board. It has just been an, an incredible experience, you know, working yeah. not only with the team in New York, but working with, you know, watching their response to COVID and watching their response to, you know, the vaccinations mm-hmm. and watching their response in the Ukraine. Um, you know, you, you, again, it's, it's one of the most important things that I've probably done in my life in terms of not support, not just supporting it in a monetary way, but also, you know, just getting, you know, becoming an advocate for UNICEF. Yes, and, yes. and I just hosted something in my, at my home with the CEO of UNICEF to really give people a better understanding of how the money is used in the, in the, in the situation of the Ukraine. Um, and just being able to be part of that advocacy has been, you know, very, very important to me. And, and, you know, I've supported them ever since. Um, I, you know, Carol Stern did leave, but we have, you know, amazing new leadership and, but she was really such a catalyst. Um, you know, I mean, if you just saw how many field visits she did per year and, you know, all of the stories and the engage, her, her engagement with all these different communities and, um, it was just so inspiring and honestly, just so completely different, right? Obviously from our, yes. our, our day-to-day world and our, our reality, obviously my reality in New York City that I, you know, could never turn away. Um, so it, it has been, it has been so important to me yes. and, and yes. You know, I've been very fortunate to be, to be part of it for such a long period of time it and we'll continue and we'll yes. continue to do so. It just puts everything into perspective, doesn't it? When you it, re- it really does. It really does. And it, I and I mean that when I say I know sometimes people roll their eyes and say, "Okay, life changing in what way?" But it's life changing in the sense that I made a commitment Mm-mm. that day in Malawi and in Ethiopia to 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 support them um, yes. and to support the to support you know the, the people on the ground and to support them centrally and to support them regionally. Um, it wasn't just a corporate sponsorship anymore. I had a personal, I had a personal connection. I yes, don't think yes. I've met anyone who hasn't, who has come away from a field visit and hasn't felt like that. 
it's when I got first interviewed years ago, someone asked me, can you teach empathy? And I said, not unless you've had a really profound experience or you've, I think, experienced a tragedy. I said, it's got to be something that really touches you emotionally to, to make you change your mindset on something and, and act. And um, I think, you know, going on field trips with UNICEF is probably something. That's oh God, em- empathy is so important. You hit mm. on another, just in terms of leadership, um, without empathy, I'm not sure how you can ever really be a strong leader. Yeah. And yeah. however, however you come to it, um, it is also one of the most important things I think in a, in a true leader is, is, is really obviously understanding, you know, the diff- a different situation. Everyone has a different situation. Everyone has a different perspective you're in charge of listening and understanding those different perspectives. You don't always have to agree, um, mm-hmm. but certainly empathy is, I think, a cornerstone to leadership. And I think more more important today than ever. Yes, yes. Certainly with all that we've seen, you know, in the, in the last couple of years. So yeah, empathy is really, really important. Uh, Daniela, I'm going to let you go because I know you're really, really busy. And we've, we've only got an hour. I want three from you, please, because I'm dying to speak to you further. I'm just, I love talking to you. It's just... <laughs> Really, I'm so in awe of your what your trajectory and everything you're doing and what you're saying has been um, an education and and inspiring to me. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for all that you do and for creating a platform like this. Thank you for listening to our podcasts. I do hope you enjoy them as much as I do. Our next guest we have wanted on the show for a while. We first had this person in our fourth issue, the LGBTQIA issue. The images and film Solver Sonsbo did were superb, and since then this person has become a friend of missions, and mine, like most people do actually. They've been voted England's most eccentric dresser. He's designed for the English National Opera in collaboration with Shurovsky, which premiered in October 2019 at the London Coliseum. He's very vocal on various causes has done a TED talk and is generally a kind and passionate individual. Tune in as I talk with Daniel Lismore next.